0: Previously, on Fusion Patrol... And tonight, we're going to be looking at a new, old, British science fiction series. Doomwatch. Let's, let's just set up the premise for you. Doomwatch is the... it's sort of a double name. It's, it's technically the Department of Observation and Measurement of Scientific Work. Which, if you work out the acronym there, does not work out to Doomwatch, but it's sort not of Swatch. Sort of thing, but they have a computer which they call Doomwatch, and the department's called Doomwatch because that's kind of what they do. They are a department within the ministry, and it's never really clear which ministry it is. But they're a department within the ministry that's job is to oversee technological progress. Isn't quite the right word, but it's meant to make sure that really nasty things don't happen uh, with the. Various scientific projects that are undertaken within Britain. The project is run up by Nobel laureate Dr. Quist, who is one of the mathematicians who worked on the H bomb. And we're led to believe that the reason he does Doomwatch is because he feels guilty about what he did to help build the H bomb.
1: Photos hanging on yeah, his wall.
0: That's right. He has the big pictures of the photos on his wall
1: to remind himself about what a, uh, all the death that he's caused in his past. What
0: have we wrought? Yes, um, and that's you know based a little bit on I think Oppenheimer, who right. who really regretted what he did after after he did it. Yeah, Edward
1: Teller. Much the same. He he regretted his role too. So yeah, I, I, this definitely quist is taken from uh, some true historical figures.
0: There are yeah, three or four other people in the uh, in the Doomwatch organization. There's uh, John Lodge Ridge, sorry, John Ridge. John Lodge. John Lodge. Yes, is it Ridge or is it it's Ridge. It's it's John, John Ridge. Ridge. John Lodge is led Zeppelin. Okay, I thought that no, no, was I thought uh, that John Eddie Lodge Van Halen. Is no, i take it back. John Lodge, Moody Blues. Moody Blues. There we go. That sounds... Bass bewilder. player, I think. Yeah. BC's one of those moody guys in the band. Yes. So, uh, Ridge is an ex-MI5-MI6 operative, basically a spy who works for them. There's uh, the new guy, uh, Chris, I believe, Wren. Chris, no, Christopher Wren was an architect of... Tobias. Ancient, Tobias Wren, yes. Christopher Wren was a famous person. Um tobias wren uh he is a chemist and the newest member of doom watch through which we get our introduction to the show and the pilot uh there's Bradley, the computer expert and then there's miss honey pot honey honey biscuit. <laughs> it's 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 oh it's a terrible name it's honey biscuit honey pot honey. I didn't get her name um honeycut no it's not honeycut but uh anyhow <laughs> she's basically the um well, she's the crumpet. Uh, I think that's probably the the safest way to put it. She's the secretary. And
1: she's the secretary that everybody
0: hits on, or at least Ridge does. So, yeah, Ridge loves. Ridge, hit well, Ridge hits on everything, but we can we can talk about that later. We take a single episode of a science fiction TV series and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. This is the Fusion Patrol Podcast. Welcome to the discussion. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I'm Ben. And tonight, we are picking up on a very, very lost thread on Fusion Patrol. We are looking at the 1970s TV series, British TV series, Doomwatch. And Ben and I started watching Doomwatch uh, and podcasting in, in 2011. Was it that long ago? 2011 through 2013, we made it through five episodes of Doom Watch. <laughs> because that's all we had.
1: Well, we had others, but, but you, 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 these were VHS transfers, so they were not the best
0: of quality. Yeah, and they were very far down the generational chain, too. They were terrible. And, of course, Quiet. Doomwatch is now out on DVD. Um, uh, Most of it. Well, what exists is out on DVD. So Doomwatch, like many shows from Britain in the day, uh, has been erased or lost or gone. And so there are quite a few episodes that are missing. And um, we're going to do the ones that, that exist. Aren't missing. That aren't missing they aren't missing episodes and if they ever come along and do animated recreations or something well that's another story but uh uh so do watch do if you don't know i'm going to give you the background so you don't have to go back and listen to our old episodes they are on the site however i tried listening to them so that we would be back in the back in the vibe and uh uh you know sometimes you shouldn't listen to your own work that's uh that's horribly outdated, the, the audio oh. quality and, the, uh, you know, just the the sophisticated patter wasn't there. I mean, you know, it was it was early days. So um, <clears throat> we are picking up with the Red Sky. Uh, if you want to catch the earlier episodes, they are out there. Um, one question that, I, that I'm going to put out here, and, and this is this is one we've done a sidecar somewhere along the line on is what constitutes science fiction and is Doomwatch science fiction? Mm-hmm. Oh, when I used to be with Slice of
1: Sci-Fi, that was a big question.
0: Yeah,
1: uh, we started we, we we decided to stop calling it science fiction. We started just calling it speculative fiction, right? Which really think... broadens the whole landscape if you call it
0: that. Yeah, <clears throat> and in this case, Doomwatch is is very you know it's not about bug eyed monsters or it's not about um, uh, it, you know alien invasions. This is it, it's entirely about real technological concerns of the age it's and a
1: series by which we demand and we smack mary shelley we demand that she apologize and we still <laughs> beat her with a wet carpet and it's, every episode you know
0: kit Pedler and jerry davis the creators of the cybermen who who you know were very much into that vibe of you know when science goes wrong And Doomwatch is just an extension of that. And I am just going to, I'm going to just quickly run over the five episodes that we did. So uh, there was the Plastic Eaters. That was about a virus that was being created to eliminate plastic waste. Things we hear about even today, they're still working on getting out and causing havoc because, eh, you know, that stuff happens. Uh, We had one on Tomorrow the Rat, which was somebody trying to genetically modify rats to be kill other rats and it turned out they started going after people and gaining intelligence Um, there's your
1: frankenstein monster uh uh-huh
0: there was project sahara which was uh, a story about how the government's computers were compiling so much data on people that they could like profile people this is early 1970s people it's pretty forward-thinking it it is, and there was uh There was a reentry forbidden, which one was about the dangers of space exploration, and I think they were using an atomic rocket, and mm. uh something went wrong, and they basically had to shoot the astronauts into uh into deep space and uh, to die. Yeah, it's really, really grim. It was, and then there was the Devil's Sweets, which was um somebody was making candy that was causing people to smoke more. Mm -hmm. It's like a marketing campaign. I mean, it's, it it, it was, uh, all of it is stuff that, you know, ripped from the headlines or or prescient uh, concerns. And so today we take up with the red sky. Environmentalist Bernard Cully and his daughter Dana pull up to the lighthouse of Tommy Gort just in time to see him mindlessly walk to the cliff and fall over. Meanwhile, at Doomwatch HQ, Quist is in a foul mood. The government wants to shut him down, and he's working too much, taking on too much responsibility, and it's driving his staff to fits. After a showdown, Quist agrees to take a few days off. He goes to Kent to visit Bernard Gully, who is an old friend of his, and who has also happened to call Quist and asked for his help with sound problems coming from a nearby research facility. Bernard's investigation revealed that Gort was seeing the fires of hell. Soon, Bernard sees them, too, when he's subjected to a strange sound and visions. At first, Quist dismisses the problem, but later, when it happens again, and Bernard has a fatal cerebral hemorrhage, he takes it very seriously, calling Wren and Lodge up from London to do some testing at the nearby base. While they're at the base, Quist does tests at the lighthouse, and he, too, is soon subjected to the strange sound and hallucinations. Lodge and Wren, however, turned up nothing. Although it is clear that the secret T9 liquid rocket-powered plane project is being kept secret from them. When they discover that Quist has been incapacitated and is going on about visions, Lodge decides to put him in a home in an effort to spin a story about overwork, which will allow the Doomwatch office to continue functioning in his absence. Just before they leave, Ren must go to the lighthouse to recover some equipment left behind by Quist, and when he arrives, it is just as another Sonic episode is ending. This time, the housekeeper has been struck down. Ren has a theory, Quist, Feeling a bit better, has Lodge set up a meeting with the head of the research facility and the hatchet man from the minister that Quist works for. At the lighthouse, Quist maneuvers him into staying behind to prove that Wren's hypothesis is wrong. His theory it's not the testing of the engines on the ground, it is a daily overpass of a test plane traveling at mock speeds combined with the unique shape and position of the lighthouse that is causing a standing wave of sound strong enough to break glass, induce the eye to produce visions, and cause brain damage. Wren was right, and the day. Is saved, but not really, because all this military stuff is too important to stop. So it'll just tear down the lighthouse and then continue with the work. The end, or is it? Okay, Doom Watch. Qu- you know, we should we should probably even slightly recap the characters. Quest, a brilliant uh, scientist, uh, worked on the H bomb.
1: Mm-hmm. Feels real guilty.
0: He he is uh, Mary Shelley. Mm. He, he he understands what he's done. He's destroyer of worlds. I am he's, Tivith, whatever. Yeah, the, Oppenheimer. The,
1: the self-flagellation is apparent.
0: Yes, and so that's why he has thrown himself into the work at Doomwatch. And uh, the ministry doesn't like him because he's always messing up their projects. He's, anti,
1: he's anti-progress as far as they're concerned,
0: right? and that's how they see it i'm sure and i kind of see it that way too i do too Uh,
1: at times yeah i do see it as that and i even have that written in my notes you know
0: we we we, you know this one is not so ambiguous the military planes i mean big deal but like the plastic eating virus Mm -hmm. you know that's important research it's an important avenue to experiment but
1: well especially i mean the whole premise was based on the fact that there was all this waste you know, the, these these landfills that were just, you know, just piled miles high with all this plastic. And the thought was, you know, and you you know, say this on, you know, write this down on a paper and it sounds like a great idea that if you can find something. Yeah, so you're flying to you're flying on a plane and suddenly the plane, plane starts to melt. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, then then it's like, oh, well, <laughs> so, well sorry. Um, <laughs> but uh, up to, you know still the idea of well, you know considering that the majority of waste that we've got is some sort of plastic byproduct, if we come up with some kind of a virus that will literally eat it all and dissolve it into you know th- this harmless base matter that you know just you know, there you go that, that that that's a that's a benefit for the earth and and who knows what kind of far-reaching ramifications that would have so yeah
0: i mean i could see why that is viewed as progress but he is, you know, uh, in that case, he is, um, I, I don't think he poo-pooed that idea. But at the same time, you know, it is, it is we aren't adequately protecting against this. And as, as proven in that episode. In this episode, um, it is about sound pollution, is really the, the, the gist of the story. Um, we've got, uh, you know, initially this Bernard Coley character is uh, kind of portrayed as a crank He's an environmentalist. He objects to the loud noises that are coming from the test facility. Uh, and we repeatedly see during the course of the episode that it is very loud, right? It It, it is a very loud... You, you had this nice piece of property that you were living on, and suddenly the military comes on and uh, sells a chunk of their base to a private research firm that has government contracts, and they're testing jet engines over there. Mm-hmm. And... They're well within the legal limit of what they're allowed to produce sound-wise. But it's destroying the, the solitude and the peace of the, of the surrounding environment. And it, it's not a crime. That's, a, that's another piece of this. That's not a crime in this story. No, it's not. They're, no. they're within their legal limits. Now, there was never an actual test of the T9 ground test engine because that was hidden from Quist's team. Mm-hmm. And so I suppose they might have been doing something over the limit, but my guess is they probably were not. This is, this is just commentary on you know, progress versus quality of life, I think mm-hmm. is, the, is the way to put it. I don't want to put it as an environmental message, because, yeah, everything around us is the environment. But, you know, it is, in this case, it's about the quality of the life of the people living there, because they're just constantly subjected to this all day long. Mm -hmm. and uh you know i i live a a block away from fairly major street and you know sometimes i hear that and it's not too bad but occasionally somebody's barreling down and drag racing or something down the street and it's quite loud and if that were going on all the time you would you know you, you would rightly think that there ought to be able to do something about that and um so that you know that's that's a very uh Uh, grim message about this this episode Mm -hmm. um the fact that no one seems to care i mean not a lot of people i mean we there's there's a little bit of talk
1: about how they find it annoying but aside from that yeah no it's not a
0: not a big issue well you know it's been said it's it's, it's legal limits i'm doing i'm letter of the law obviously Mm -hmm. somebody decided that this was an appropriate an appropriate amount but also not about the people who are getting harmed too I mean the actual people who are getting harmed now the the people who are falling off quote unquote falling off cliffs um and and I I kind of thought the episode was very cleverly done in that way. The first guy didn't commit suicide. Right? I mean it that's what I thought was going to happen. So as as uh Bernard Coley pulls up to the house his friend is kind of staggering kind of zombie like towards mm-hmm. the white cliffs of I'm guessing that's Dover. And um uh, when he gets to it, you know, your first thought is he's going to go jump off. But he doesn't mm-hmm. actually. He comes to the end of it and then he sort of stops and then, you know, it's more of a reeling falling over kind of thing. So I, you know, it it wasn't really a suicide. It was he was off his He was just disoriented. Yeah. I
1: mean, and I mean as severely
0: disoriented as a person could possibly be. Right. So, you know, it it's a terrible accident, but, you know, you really can't blame that on, on the sound. And when the other guy, who's an old man, also claims to have had a vision and some, and some you know, cerebral hemorrhaging, mm-hmm. um, that's the sort of thing that happens to old men. Mm, yeah. You know, and so we dismiss it. And even when Quist has that episode, he's getting on in the ears, too. Now at this yeah. point you're you're feeling that maybe I'm sensing a pattern. You sense it, right? Well, they even but... say. But... <laughs> well, they even say in the episode is like you you get uh, when your friends all start dying and you you start thinking about the mortality and you start uh, stressing about it and then it happens to you. That was the doctor's excuse for Quist. Like he's sympathetically having a brain hemorrhage. I think he's a bit of a quack, but you know I, I, it it did begin to stretch a little bit there that nobody was caring, but at the same time you know we're supposed to think these people don't care um, so that was um, you know kind of the through line and then it turns out it wasn't that at all it was but it wasn't I mean it wasn't the wasn't, wasn't the t9 the, it was, well, it was at9 flying over. Oh, well, okay.
1: I'm sorry. I thought you meant but something it,
0: else. It was, yeah, it wasn't the T-9 testing on the ground no, it was that, fly- that everyone it was, could hear. No, it,
1: it was the plane flying overhead on that particular flight path
0: that was causing that uh, weird sound resonance. Event. Yeah. Uh, and that... And, it, you know, flying overhead, you could hear the plane. I mean, you can hear planes flying overhead, but, you know, it's nothing like the noise that they were getting from the engines down the hill. I mean, that was... That was like a constant, this was just like the sound of a, a slightly off-pitch plane flying overhead. And it's just that freak combination of the speed, the distance, and the shape of the lighthouse, the flight path. And um, that would set up this standing wave in the cone of the tower that was able to uh, vibrate the, the brains of these people, the eyes and the brains, and, and cause the damage. And, you know, what we're left with at the end of this story is you know well good thing we solved that problem um let's tear the lighthouse down obviously and therefore it's not a problem problem anymore not a problem but you know when these planes go into production they're going to be flying over who knows what Mm -hmm. you know how many people are they just going to kill on the ground (laughs) as they fly by
1: well i think the implication was is that uh gort's cottage where this was all happening was just a one-off
0: well certainly that's what they're treating and And I don't want to say that that isn't a true statement, but... It felt like how they were treating it, though. Well, yeah, that's absolutely how they're treating it. And I suspect that they probably sat down and did some calculations. Said, well, you know, it flies on the flight path we're testing. It's flying over a thousand homes. And this is a weird looking thing. Eh, you know, eh. I guess it's one in a million. Never happen again. But, you know, they're leaving you with the whole unintended consequences mm-hmm. moral like as we continue to do these things there will continue to be more and more of these uh one-off events where people will die or you know there there could be other lighthouses there could be uh there could be other shapes there could be people in bell towers you never can tell i mean it, it just just uh um showing the the and i you know i'm not i'm not sure they're wrong mm-hmm you know? You know to continue the project. Yeah, I was wondering about
1: that as I you know, when this episode came to an end. Um, I mean, I I did not find myself squarely on one side or the other of the issue. I I was able to see both sides of it, and maybe that was the whole point—to create conversation. I wonder.
0: I mean, I've never I've never seen anything out of the the, the, the Doom Watch so far that made me think that they were trying to do anything other than moralize on one side of the argument and you know not necessarily the same writer here but uh as some of the past episodes but it um yeah you you just kind of you just kind of think about it and say well do we stop every time when Mm -hmm. you get something like that do we do we you know you know that's it sorry t9 jet engine can't have it sorry killed somebody on the ground once you know Mm -hmm. if if we did that
1: Oh if, nothing would there'd be no advancement of
0: any sort if we had that idea that that mindset back oh we, we never would have the, gone to the, the moon. industrial revolution we'd have nothing
1: we'd have nothing uh I'm gotta remember the the poor astronauts who died during a uh, when they were testing apollo one mm-hmm. so yeah i we we, we wouldn't have done in, in
0: oh yeah, technological advancement would have just stopped like oh car hit somebody. Yeah, that was a bad idea. Yeah, we yeah, we, yeah, we can't have that. And, and perhaps in some way it is a bad idea. I mean, the the car is a great example of a modern economic boon and a technological marvel and a hurtling death machine that that is both killing people all the time and slowly destroying the planet. So I mean, mm-hmm. it it is <clears throat> there is two sides to the story. Uh and but if you if you stopped it at the first sign like they are here, then then we would not be anywhere. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and is that overreacting or or is there a price that we have to pay to keep moving on? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the answer to that is. Um, this is definitely a Quist story. Um, but we do have the other characters in in lesser degrees. John Lodge and Toby Wren uh, are the two next major. John Lodge the yeah the bondian guy you just went very moody blues on me is that it's john ridge ridge sorry that's why well <clears throat> okay john ridge yeah, john lodge is the bass player for the moody blues lodge ridge see it's been a long time since i watched this it's been at least uh, a day or two um okay ridge yeah ridge um i was kind of disappointed in him Uh in yeah, him. i was
1: beyond disappointed i was pissed off at the guy
0: well, I, mean, I think I was disappointed because they did not play him up for the complete and absolute sexist pig that uh, that he has been in no, previous no. episodes. Wow. No.
1: Here he's just a jerk. Yeah. He's ju- he's really coming down on Quist on everything. When they finally get to uh this this part of England, you know, this, this countryside, you know, who is who is the biggest naysayer in all of this? There is, you know, it's Ridge. He's just being awful about it the entire time. He's being like the Mr. Skeptic, beyond Mr. Skeptic, you know, and like, oh, we really need to get, you know, we need to get Quist into a nursing home, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then finally, when they get the manager of the test bay of, of the of the, uh, the the test program and the minister to finally show up, and it's talk, they start talking about Quist's uh, his. His concerns. What does Ridge do? Well, yeah, he. But he's yeah. He's usually right. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you piece of
0: work. You know, how dare you? Almost. You know, the funny thing is about Ridge. I mean, I think he is uh, fiercely loyal to Quist in some ways. Um, he he clearly sees the value of the work of Doomwatch. Um, when he at the beginning. He is being a real jerk to Quist, and he's got good—he's got reason to. I don't know that that's the way to go about it, but Quist is clearly a bit round the bend. Uh, he is, he, he's he being very testy. Very testy, very stressed, and, you know, we don't see it, but it's, it's implied or it's dialogued that, you know, he is working ridiculous hours. He's taking everything on himself— to get it done when he has a team there. He's, you know, he's obsessing about getting Doomwatch because he's worried that the ministry is going to take Doomwatch away. But if he blows a gasket, which is what I think Ridge is really concerned about. I think that's, that's his concern, is that Quist will blow a gasket. Mm-hmm. And if he blows a gasket, they will destroy Doomwatch. And he is both, at his degree, concerned about Quist and he's concerned about Doomwatch. And I don't think it's just because, hey, that's my job. I think he is, I think he is committed to the idea of Doom Watch. <clears throat> it's just, he is, he is quite the abrasive personality. You know, even in the earlier episodes when he's being a sexist pig, he's an abrasive sexist pig. Yeah. He's not, he's not just a sexist pig. Um, he, even when he is, he is wooing the ladies, he woos them with the most abrasive manner I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. You know, Sean Connery Bond was a jerk. This yes, guy takes it up a level. Mm-hmm. And um, we didn't get to see that part of his character in this particular Not episode. Not this much, one. No, we didn't. No. Um, but now, my question is, later, when Quist has his little episode, and Ridge has him put in a home, basically, arranges to put him in a home. hmm One, there is, you know, it, it seems like a jerk move. and It does. Yeah. Um, but Quist has had some sort of an episode. He has, he's got some sort of a, a cerebral event. Mm-hmm. Quist, uh, Ridge was worried that he was going to blow a gasket. And here he is out here obsessing about a thing, which is what he was not supposed to be doing. And it looks like he may have blown a gasket. He needs care. So he, putting him in a home actually kind of isn't, isn't entirely wrong. Because You know, Quist's not going to do it on his own. That's the whole problem. He, he refuses to take care of himself. Mm. So, the, I'm, I'm not, I'm not, again, and then the other aspect of it is is he calculatingly doing this to keep Doomwatch open? We quietly put him in a very discreet place to recuperate for a few weeks and we keep it quiet and we keep Doomwatch going. Mm-hmm. But if he publicly pops, then, you know, they'll use that opportunity to shut Doomwatch down. I, I question his methods, but I don't question his his objective. Intent? Yeah. It's like, whoa, that's... You're... Ugh. You're a species of human that doesn't exist anymore, I'd like to think. Not true, of course, but, but I'd like to think that species of human doesn't exist anymore. But, yeah, it, it's um, he He's an interesting character. Well, uh, more, he certainly is that. More so than Toby Wren, who is still a bit of a wet blanket. I mean, <laughs> you know... He, he's been, <laughs> in the episodes mm-hmm. that i watched uh y- yeah he, he, he just kind of stands around and and he does occasionally come up with some good ideas like he did in this one but um not much not much going on there with toby um and he doesn't have a hideous sexist attitude to even give us something to um to dig on him mm-hmm. uh, i feel true i, I feel cheated I, I feel desperately desperately cheated on that episode
1: oh there's plenty of episodes left i'm sure we'll get something
0: I'm sure perhaps Toby will get a chance to redeem himself um uh, before it's all over. <clears throat> um let's see I'm scanning through my notes here. I know that I have a whole lot I
1: don't I mean my notes I've got a few, but there's there's not much, not much at all.
0: Oh, I do like the fact that the that uh Jim hacker. Which is not the name of the character. Um, the character's name is Reynolds. Jim Hacker is the name of the character he played on Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister. Uh huh. At the head of the, uh, uh, the research facility. Right. Um, I appreciated the fact that the man stood, uh, stood up and did what was right in the yeah. end. Yeah. I, I didn't expect that, to be honest. No. Presented with the evidence. Presented with the evidence. He, you know, we don't see it, but he gave testimony. To back up Quist Mm -hmm. to have the project shut down for a while. Right. I mean, he he backed up Quist to have the project shut down. They overruled it and decided to reopen the project in a few months. But, you know, for somebody in his position who is running a project of this nature, as he said, he may have seriously jeopardized his career, but he did the right thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that had this been an American program, what do you think would have happened? Weasled his way out of it, maybe possibly my thought is is that the lighthouse would have killed him, hmm, you know he would be the last victim, the victim of, of his own of his of his own yeah. science,
1: yeah, 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 that's true, yeah, we would have seen something like that yeah in in episodes of uh the the, the fox sci-fi series fringe mm-hmm. uh we would see things like that happen where the perpetrator and ended up becoming a victim of their own nefarious uh creations you mean like
0: frankenstein like frankenstein's creator yeah imagine that (laughs) i think this is i think this is a more imaginative ending um to that to uh and and i wish we lived in a world where you could show evidence to civil servants and politicians Mm. and they would go you're right you're absolutely right i was wrong and i'm gonna change my opinion yeah wouldn't that be nice wouldn't that be an amazing thing um but we don't live in that world and uh-huh. apparently we didn't live in that world back then except in tv shows so right uh what else have we got
1: i mean like i said my notes are thread you know they're they are very very thin um I just nothing uh, my biggest uh, observation was about ridge being the arrogant arse that he is um and of course you know i, I felt that this this felt like another uh damn it Mary Shelley you need to apologize for us yet one more time kind of episode
0: i don't think there'll be any episodes of doomwatch just that again not guess, i know yeah which is true. not that i i do think this is you know uh doomwatch or a modern day modern day prometheus mm-hmm. um to paraphrase the subtitle of frankenstein um <sighs> yeah yeah it's grim it's a grim show it's it's like Waiting for, I don't know, Doom? <laughs> yes. Imagine that. Imagine. Imagine that. All right. Um, well, I don't have anything else. There is no reason to belabor this point. Um, we're going to pick up Doom Watch as our regular, uh, in regular rotation now so that we can try to crank through them. Um, it's going to take a little while, as, as many things do. But uh, <clears throat> this is our project, and we're just going to see if this show depresses the heck out of us time and <laughs> time again although i did rewatch the rat one and i loved the rat one i really loved the rat episode. tomorrow the rat tomorrow the rat i loved mm. that that was just awesome <laughs> rats attacking babies <laughs> uh, it was such fun mm-hmm. anyway. all right well ben thank you for joining me oh sure thing <laughs> and listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol cheers You've been listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Find out how you can be a sponsor and get early access to all episodes and more at patreon.com slash fusion patrol. Come join the conversation on Facebook or Twitter. All episodes are available at fusionpatrol.com. Our music is Fight the Future by Amber Wolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.